Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast. This is the place where scientists, clinicians, and entrepreneurs discuss the progress of this rapidly developing field. I am your host, Alexander Yahensky. Let's start. Three, two, one, and we are live. Welcome to the next episode of the Personalized Medicine Podcast. In the previous few episodes, we have focused on biomarker research and how new technologies such as next-generation sequencing, mass spectrometry, and liquid chromatography can help us diagnose more patients more accurately. But today, we would like to switch gears from biomarker research to another very important topic in personalized medicine. And this topic is clinical trials. And I'm very happy to welcome today on our show Christian Erb, the co-founder and CEO of Mondosano, a company that creates the patient platform for clinical research. Christian has background in business and has studied corporate finance at Nürtingen Geistingen University of Applied Science and California State University. About three and a half years ago, he co-founded Mondosano in Hamburg. Despite its young age, the company has already reached significant progress in simplifying patient recruitment on clinical trials. And I'm very happy to discuss this and many other topics today with Christian. So, Christian, it's my great pleasure to welcome you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Great. So, let's start with your story. Can you explain what exactly are you doing with Mondosano and how have you come up with this idea? Yeah, yeah, happy to explain that. So um, what we do at Mondozano is we consider ourselves a digital platform for patients about clinical research that is focused on the German-speaking area. And maybe it helps a bit to give some insights into our background. Um, as you already mentioned, we've been founded three and a half years ago, Anna, my co-founder and me, we both don't come out of a medical background or medical context. We both have been involved into the digital industry for like, yeah, close to 10 years, probably in various positions. And, uh, um, Previous to founding Mondozano, I have worked in a family office where we have invested in medical technology companies, for example. And uh, me being like the digital native person, but not that well-versed in medical terms um, back then, I always found it fascinating that patients don't or like the companies we have invested in fail to enroll enough patients into their clinical trials because from my layman perspective, it always sounded so fascinating what they do. And I didn't get it why they were struggling to enroll patients. And this was basically my kickoff into looking into the clinical trial sector. And Anna, on the other hand, was working as a head of online marketing for various companies for a company builder and looked at it through a marketing perspective and has seen that like the clinical trial advertisement status, especially in the German speaking area was pretty bad. And so we found each other due to that interest into the clinical trials area and decided we want to pursue this opportunity together. And 
we decided to found Mondozano. I think it was like in April 2016 um, already. And so what, what we do basically is we connect patients with medical research. We do that by educating patients on the one hand um, about clinical research because as of right now, clinical trials don't have like the best image, especially in the German-speaking area. This is something we want to fix um, in order to fix the patient recruitment problem. And if patients want to, we connect them with the suitable clinical trial, with the suitable patient survey, and give them insights into the progress on the medical research state and their disease. So this is what we do with Mondozano. We want to be the go-to contact point for patients when they want to look for um, clinical research, medical research on their sort of disease. Perfect. Great. And you mentioned that um, clinical trials, uh, specifically in German-speaking area, don't have great reputation and it's hard to recruit patients for those trials. Why is that, why is that the case? Yeah, I think like... Um, Unfortunately, that there isn't very much transparency happening within the clinical trial sector that is visible to patients. So when we have started out, um, we asked, like we, we did some basic market research to see like how is the awareness about clinical trials. And I think we've asked close to 1,000 patients, how do they perceive clinical trials? And we were really surprised that more than half of them didn't even know what a clinical trial was. So like there's very low awareness. And most of the other patients who were aware of a clinical trial didn't have like the best image in their mind. So like the most common term we have heard, unfortunately, was like something related to being a guinea pig, which is like absolutely not true when it comes to clinical research that you are some sort of that. But unfortunately, it's like deep into their mind and into the public perception of clinical trials. So um, like only few patients really know what is about, what is it about, about a clinical trial. So I think this is mainly the point, the lacking awareness and the lacking transparency in clinical trials that patients don't want to participate in it. So in order to fix the problem of patient recruitment, I don't think it's like, yeah, just being done when you put technology in it, but the problem is somewhere else located. It's more like in the beginning of the value chain where you need to educate patients about clinical trials in order to fix that problem, to increase awareness and to increase tra transparency to fix it. Right. So you need to educate patients. You need to show them what the clinical trials actually are. And um, how do you do it with Mondosano? Yeah, so we put a lot of emphasis really on the educational part. So on the one hand, we want to take patients by the hand. We want to walk them through the entire process from getting them to sign up at Mondozano and what happens afterwards. So what do we do to find the clinical trial for them? What happens when they go to the study site? What happens once they are in the clinical trial? So we want to make the entire process of getting into a clinical trial and being into a clinical or being in a clinical trial want to make it more transparent. And uh, this is one thing we do. But on the other hand, is, um, we publish a lot of content regarding clinical trials. So like all the wordings that are being used. So what does randomized mean? What does double blind mean? What does each stage of a clinical trial mean? Like all the terms that are 
yeah, typically used within like the clinical research area are being explained to patients in easy to understand terms. And last but not least, we do put out a lot of content about the state of the research when it comes to specific diseases. So let's say what happens in asthma research, what happens in the diabetes research. So patients not only receive content in general about clinical trials, but also disease-specific content for their disease which they're actively looking for new treatments. Okay, great. And how do patients find this content that you publish? Do you make it available on your website or you reach out to them uh, via doctors or via social media? How do you uh, get patients to read your content? Yeah, so as, as of right now, it's still mostly online. So on the one hand, we do have like some good visibility uh, through search engines so when people or patients look for specific terms they find our content online and um, another traffic channel we have a re heavily rely on is still facebook because we like to go where the patients where our target group is and that's like the main channel is facebook in that let's say patient population and uh, so we do entertain various patient communities where patients get in contact with Mondozano. We entertain our own Facebook page. We do Facebook advertisements, so organic marketing in order to increase awareness about our brand so that we can be, let's say, the top of mind when it comes to clinical research that patients associate Mondozano immediately with clinical research and look for information at our website. Okay, perfect. And uh, perhaps um, you can break down this, this patient journey uh, for us, because um, for me, it's always interesting how do patients go through, through the clinical trial. So let's say I have a disease that is not treatable with available approved therapies, but I hear all this news that there are new uh, therapies in the research uh, against a specific condition that I have. So first, how do I learn about specific trials, uh, then how do I get recruited? And then what happens to me next as a patient once I'm recruited? Yeah, sure. So, so, so we can look at it both ways, basically. So I can do the process like it usually is without having Mondozano involved and the process um, with Mondozano being involved. Like yep. the, the, the first one is, so let's say you have like a severe asthma and uh, you're not satisfied with your current treatment you still have a lot of symptoms a lot of problems and want to like get a get, get a better look at it and want to have like your you know, like like your disease improved so what you could do is you could go to your physician to your treating doctor and ask him or her about clinical trials but in most of the cases, unfortunately, chances are pretty low that he or she knows about a clinical trial unless they are recruiting for it themselves. So the more typical way of a patient currently is you tend to go online and look for clinical trials. So you, you have heard something about it. You want to know more about it. You're a bit curious and want to see if there's like some asthma trial running close to your area. Um, so far, um, there is like no easy go-to address where you find it. You can go like if, if, if you're lucky, you stumble upon clinicaltrials.gov or the UDRCT, or there's like the German registry for clinical trials as well called DRKS. So those are like search, cl close to search engines for, for clinical trials. 
So what you do is you type your disease in and um, you filter like for trials in Germany. And then you have, let's say, if, if you look for asthma trials in Germany, you probably have like 50 to 60 trials currently running within Germany. And then you're all on your own. So you need to go through all of those trials in the clinicaltrials.gov listing page, for example. You need to find out more about the inclusion-exclusion criteria and about the location of the study sites. All that in medical language, so very hard to understand for like the layman person. So um, that is like incredibly hard for a patient to, on the one hand, find out about a clinical trial, then check if you are eligible for a clinical trial. And then like the easy part is finding out about a location. But you have to be lucky that the clinical trial is running close to your area of living. And then you would have to call the study site and tell them that you're here, that you're interested in participating and have to make an appointment with them. So like the patient journey is still pretty, pretty long for a patient and very frustrating because it's not a good user experience because most of the information you find online is from medical people to medical people, which makes a lot of sense. But at some point you have to include the patient into like the, uh, into the setting as well. But this is still incredibly hard for patients. So um, on the other hand, when you go through it with, with Mondozano, we like to make it easier for the patient because we take the struggle out of finding a clinical trial on your own, but we do it instead for the patient. So um, typical patient journey would be that the patient goes to our homepage and signs up for a specific disease. And what we do is we will continuously check his or her data against the trials that we are recruiting for. And once we have done like all the pre-checking to see if like inclusion and exclusion criteria is fitting to the data of the patient, we will have a phone conversation with the patient to have like an in-depth pre-qualification call with the patient to make sure that the clinical trial is fitting to the needs of the patient. And we will tell the patient more about the clinical trial so that he or she can think about, is this relevant to me? Do I like support or I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what is being done in the clinical trial? And um, if the patient is interested, we will connect him directly to the study site. And then they will make an appointment with the patient. And then you will go like through the screening on site. So you have like the, the site visits until randomization into the clinical trial. Okay, I understand. That's great. And then maybe from the opposite side of the uh, of the coin, so you help patients, but at the same time, you have to connect them to those clinical trial centers or companies or hospitals that actually conduct the trials. So how do you engage those sites and whom do you work with from the organizational side of clinical trials? Yeah, so in, interestingly, we work with all of the sites that are involved like we work with the study sites directly we work with the and with the pharmaceutical companies so back when we have founded Mondozano, we started out working only with the study sites and supporting them in a sort of monocentric approach where we have recruited patients for let's say only hanover or only berlin or only hamburg for example nowadays um the our clients mostly are 
the large pharmaceutical companies or like the mid pharmaceutical companies that actively do research. So that's like our main customer base. Um, also some contract research organizations, but we like to focus like on the pharmaceutical companies directly. So, um, they are, so to say, um, working with us. They are paying us. Um, so this is like where we get the reimbursement from. And on the other hand, we work with the study sites directly. So when we recruit for a trial, we can stay at the asthma example for, um, for a phase three asthma trial, for example, there are 30 sites maybe involved in Germany. So, um, take information from those study sites from the pharmaceutical company. And we will um, work with each single site to recruit patients for them and have like a daily or at least weekly interaction with each site to make sure that the patients are being contacted, that the patients have a good experience and that the patients that we refer are eligible as well. So we want to work as closely with pharma, but as closely as possible with the study sites as well. Okay, I understand. So in the way you simplify the process as well for study sites and pharma companies, because you kind of pre-sort the patients based on the requirements uh, the company or the study site has for a specific trial. And uh, I guess they don't have to waste a lot of time and money when they uh, use your services. Absolutely. So that, that that's like the, the, the idea behind it exactly so what we want to do is on the one hand we want to recruit or re reduce recruitment timelines for the pharmaceutical companies which is at the end of the day saving them money so so that's like the main motivation for the pharma companies and um, we want to make some sort of pre-selection for the study sites so that they can work on what they really want to work on is like having contact with patients and like recruiting for the clinical trials, but not doing a lot of pre-qualification. So we make sure that we refer eligible and motivated patients for them. Yeah. We are doing this show for you and your feedback is very important to us. So if you have any suggestions or comments, would like us to cover a specific topic, or recommend a person we should interview, please write us an email to team at personalizedmedicinemedia.com. Or you can just reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Just type in Personalized Medicine Podcast and you will find us there. To make sure that you won't miss the new episodes of our show, please subscribe to the newsletter at our website, personalizedmedicinemedia.com. It's one word, personalizedmedicinemedia.com spelled with Z as in American English. Our website is also the place where you can find show notes for each episode that include bios of our guests, links to their most notable work and projects, and follow-up reads on the topics we discuss during the episode. And now let's get back to the interview. So let's talk perhaps about the clinical trials in general a little bit. Um, I've seen your post on LinkedIn uh, from a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, you wrote there that about 85% of clinical trials do not finish on time. And to me, this is insane. Uh, so why do you think is that the case and what can be done to, to change this? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. That's like a mind boggling number. It's like really, really insane that it's still that high. Um, like in, in, in a bit of defense of the pharmaceutical industry to get a 
really accurate estimate on a recruitment timeline because for example if you do a phase three trial a large scale phase three trial typically lasts two to three years you have maybe 200 study sites across the globe and looking to enroll let's say one close to 1,000 patients that is pretty pretty hard to accurate accurately estimate a really good timeline for so that's that that's like one of the issues it's pretty hard to look that deep down into the future how it's being how the trial is being run so so that that's like one factor but the other one is i think really mostly um the lack of the patient recruitment so if you look at different statistics why trials are lacking behind um in most of the cases it really is because they don't meet the enrollment goals. So um, they don't find enough patients. Study sites are not recruiting sufficiently enough. They have like a lack of recruitment in different countries because they want to have like it equal out for different countries. So like it all comes down at the end to a lack of patient recruitment, um, which, which can be fixed by adding more sites, for example, which leads to usually even longer um, timelines for the recruitment phase or can be fixed by adding patient recruitment providers, or just like as some pharmaceutical companies do as well, it's just like sitting it out and expect them that it's going to be a um, way, way longer time than initially anticipated. Okay, and in terms of patient recruitment, I guess it varies a lot between the trials, but let's say for average scale stage two trial, how long does it take to recruit a sufficient amount of patients, for example, in Germany? Yeah, that, that, that's always a bit hard to um, to estimate. But let's say like for a phase two trial, if you look like for the more common disease areas, let's say diabetes, asthma, psoriasis trial or something like that, you're probably looking in a phase two trial in recruitment timelines that's like six to 12 months typically. Um, it, it's, it's usually faster when it's like a phase one trial, typically longer when it's a phase three trial. So it's always dependent a bit on the condition and the phase of the trial. But um, apart from the setup time, um, the recruitment time or just like the enrollment time of the patients is one of the longest time frames within the clinical trial area. Okay, yeah, I understand. That, that's, really, um, that's really long. And uh, I guess that the trial then uh, has to be conducted over several months or in some cases years. And uh, of course, for, for pharma companies and for the future of, of medicine, uh, that's not really an optimal situation. And I guess apart from uh, being very time-consuming, clinical trials are getting more and more expensive uh, in the recent years. So despite of all the technological progress, we spend more money on bringing a new drug to the market. What do you think is the biggest uh, factor in this equation? Yeah, um, I, I think like there are various factors going into that. Um, I, I've recently read a mag, uh, article in the Nature magazine. I think like the cost per patient has increased in over the past twenty years from roughly four thousand euros to sixteen thousand euros. So it has increased fourfold in just the twenty years. So it has really gotten very, very expensive to do a clinical trial, and I think like. One of the leading factors probably is that like the trials are getting more and more complex, meaning like the protocols have developed very, very much in, in the recent past, meaning like there are, for example, more procedures per trial, there are more endpoints per trial, there are more inclusion exclusion criteria per trial, trial which makes 
running the entire trial way more time and cost con consuming because more labor and more data is being involved. Um, so I think like, especially getting the trial or trials getting more and more complex is probably one of the main reasons, um, that the cost has developed so significantly, like especially in the last 10, 15 to 20 years. So more endpoints, more data that we want to collect drives the costs. But perhaps some of the data might be important, specifically in terms of personalized medicine. So there are more and more trials utilizing patient certification based on clinical history, biomarkers, and other factors. Do you really see the drift in that direction at clinical trial sites with which you are working? And uh, which specific inclusion or exclusion criteria they look for in patients? So, so it always it's always a bit dependent on the sort of disease. So um, on the one hand, when we look into oncology trials, which is like something we don't put a lot of focus on at Monozano, I think like the data is getting incredibly valuable there. So like there are specific biomarkers that are being sought after and included in the inclusion and exclusion criteria. So they have like very um, narrow inclusion exclusion criteria, especially in some oncology trials, not in all, but like the, the trial protocols, especially in oncology tend to be or tend to get very, very complex. Um, so th th this is something where data has already getting or Data is already playing a very, very big role, which is absolutely good. Um, I think as long as the data is being used afterwards as well and not just like getting an information silo on the data. Um, if you look at like the more chronic disease areas, such as asthma, psoriasis, um, they do have more endpoints, but it's not like very specific on certain biomarkers or something where the data would be useful at the end. It's just like um, you want to have like a specific targeting, a specific patient population that hasn't been like sought after before. Right. So it's always the question of common sense. Do we really need the data to help patients in the end uh, or they are rather excessive? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. And I guess... One of the big problems, not just in clinical trials, but in treatment in general, is adherence of patients to specific therapies. Do you also address this um, question in Mondosano? And uh, what have you experienced so far with the clinical trials you've been involved in? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. Um, what we uh, like usually do is like ad adherence is also a problem within the clinical trial. So adherence in that case is mostly focused on the patient retention topic. So meaning um, the patient is retained in the clinical trial when he or she uh, goes through the entire trial and doesn't drop out. So patient re retention is like the core topic mostly there. And currently, I think like current statistics are saying that the average dropout rate is like close to 30 to 35%. So um, like every third person who goes into a clinical trial doesn't that doesn't finish the trial, which is like still, in my opinion, a, a very, very high number. 
and leads leads to higher recruitment rates or like higher recruitment efforts because you have to calculate that um, and that even delays more the clinical trial timelines because you need to recruit more patients because they tend to drop out in the, in the clinical trial um, so um, what what we like the like the big focus or like the questions we ask ourselves is how are we able to retain or to refer patients that are less likely to drop out at the end of the day in the clinical trial. So um, our, our goal is to have, um, let, we call it internally the informed patient. So our belief is that um, when we educate the patient prior to referring them about clinical trials and we give them transparent information about the specific clinical trial, which we refer them to, um, patients have a better opinion and a better idea what they can expect like going into the clinical trial which at the end of the day could lead in lower dropout rates so that's that, that that's something that's not in our core focus but um what we are having a look into right now because like our hypothesis is currently that um the patients we refer to a clinical trial are less likely to drop out due to the education we give to them and like the preliminary data we have on that so far seems to support the hypothesis. But um, I think or I'm afraid it's still a bit early to finally or like to to, to say that for, for good, because like trials tend to run one or two years, like in the entire clinical trial phase. So we were still collecting data on that if it's like really working as we anticipated. Yeah, that's really important because I guess education can can um, overcome a lot of problems. You know, like people have less fear, less anxiety about the clinical trials. They understand more what to expect from from the clinical trial itself, and I guess and the quality of patients you provide uh, for the trials for the companies um, will be much higher, and then the hopefully the dropout rate will be will be lower. Yeah, we hope that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christian, you also work with uh, sensitive patient data, and this is a tricky topic, especially in Europe. And uh, I wanted to ask you how difficult it is to operate uh, for a company like Mondesano uh, in terms of security and privacy, especially from the perspective of a relatively young startup. And uh, what do you think would be the impact of this new German law that was uh, passed, Digitale Versorgungsgesetz, on... Uh, your activity yeah um so data privacy is like very very important yeah but but i can absolutely agree with you it's it can be tricky especially like for young startups to have like a full adherence to the data privacy because like a very very complex process um but I think like having the GDPR taken place last year I think it's like a great development because um Data privacy is, in my opinion, like a very important topic, which cannot be uh, put into focus enough, so to say, because like at, at the end of the day, patients trust us with one of the most sensitive and intimate data there is that they want to give us their, their, their health data. And I think it's like very important that we or like any other provider who is working with health data should like honor that, that commitment and that relationship by like keeping the data really private and secure to to have like a really um yeah stable and, and and good good process there in terms of data privacy because um yeah it's 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 like very 
very crucial to to have like that good relationship going with the patient. So I think all in all, the GDPR is like a great step in terms of privacy because um, especially nowadays within other areas or like other other countries where data privacy is not that much in, into focus. Uh, I think like Europe in general has like taken a great initiative in being like leading front in terms of data privacy. And we really, really like that. And uh, sure, on, on the one hand, it is hard for a small startup. But when you want to work in the health sector or like say like financial technology as well, for example, you have to be aware that like you're working with very crucial data and you need to handle it accordingly. So, so I, I think it's, it's of course challenging, but it's like a very good undertaking that like the GDPR has taken place and that we put a lot of focus, especially in Germany in, into the data privacy. And I hope to expand it even further in, in the future. When it comes like to the digitale Versorgunggesetz, um, I, Really, really look, look, look forward to the law taking place next year because I think, um, al although it doesn't, um, immediately rely on the data privacy, I think it's like a great development for the patient side because, um, if you look at the fast track, um, that is being implemented, um, it's like a great step for patients and it's a great step for digital health companies because I think like it's one of the first countries here in Germany that it's now being able that you can get reimbursement through like the um, health insurance company um, through like a legislatory process. So I think like it's very, very great for digital health startups because now you can have like a new sort of business model because it can get monetized through the health insurance companies while you deliver value to the patients. So I really, really like the Digitale Versorgunggesetz. I think it's a great development for digital health companies, for Germany, but also like for the health insurance companies because we... Um, now can deliver more value to patients through digital solutions. And for, for us as a company, <laughs> we really like the development as well because we um, support those companies that want to get into the Digitale Versorgunggesetz, into the listing that you're able to get reimbursed. And we help companies to go through that listing period and to generate that evidence through clinical trials, for example. So I think all in all, it's like a very, very um, good development that has taken place here in Germany. Perfect. Yeah, let's hope that the future will look bright. And uh, if you already started to talk about future, I would like to ask you a hypothetical question. If uh, you could have any three wishes, What would you like to happen in the field of clinical trials, specifically in the patient recruitment, in the next 10 years? Oh, that's a, <laughs> that, that, that's a great question. I like that. Um, I think like on, like one, one, one of my biggest wishes would be, um, we always call it like the patient-centered clinical trials. Because r right now, our feeling is that if you talk about patient centricity everyone says he or she is doing it but in most of the cases it's just like a buzzword being used but not like really having it incorporated and then living like patient centricity so um, what we or i would like to see is like having really patient-centered clinical trials so 
that you include patients into the clinical research process, into the trial making process, into the feasibility process, and to, to, to make sure that it's like really valuable for the patient and that you include them into the decision making process on what makes sense in a clinical trial. Because most of the time, um, some trials even lag behind because they haven't talked to a single patient before starting the trial. And then they find out it's like really hard to find a patient population. So, Putting patients into the center of a clinical trial and in the design of a clinical trial is, I think, really something that should happen. And I would be very happy to see that, to have like more patient-centric clinical trials. Um, secondly, I think um, it's already a development that has taken place or is starting to develop. But I think like the whole topic of virtual clinical trials or remote clinical trials is like, great for patients who live let's say in like rural areas and don't have access to specific clinical trials because they only take part or take place in like larger parts of any city and they live like in very rural areas um, so i think like the virtual remote clinical trials is going to accelerate recruitment timelines by a lot because it opens up access to clinical trials by for so many patients and i think like vendors such as science 37 or like other vendors who are already having a close look into virtual trials are going pretty strong and have a very promising mission so i would really like to see like trials opening up and getting them to more and more patients which at the end of the day has to be like some sort of remote clinical trial because location most of the time is like a limiting factor in clinical trial participation. So we can fix that by just doing it digitally, for example. And I think like my last wish would be, um, I, I'm really very bullish on like the whole personalized medicine. And I would really like to see it like getting more and more into the chronic disease areas as well. And um, would like to see more of those trials Although they would be more more complex, but I strongly believe like um, personalized or precision medicine can deliver a lot of value to patients, can give them a lot of benefits. So even if it means like the trial design has to be more, more innovative, like lower sample sizes or something like that, and trials getting more complex and maybe more costly at the end of the day as well, it would ultimately lead to patients having a benefit from new drugs that come out. So I would really like to see pharmaceutical companies put a lot, put a lot more focus into that area as well. Yeah, these are great wishes. I hope all of them will come true uh, rather soon. Um, great, Christian. It was such a great pleasure to, to have you on this podcast, hearing about Mondasana, about clinical trials, patient recruitment. And uh, I know you are very busy, so I don't want to uh, keep you uh, on for a long time. But before I let you go, I would like you to let our audience, where can they find you online and how can they reach out? Perhaps these are patients, perhaps these are pharma companies that would like to work with you, or maybe... Uh, some uh, interesting uh, people listen to us and they want to start working for a company that really makes a difference, such as Montesano. So how can they reach out? Oh, yeah. I mean, always read, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to talk about any topic. So you can find me on uh, mondosano.org 
org that's our business website where you can find like the services we provide and stuff that we do and content about clinical trials so you can always shoot me a message there or through my linkedin profile so just connect with me drop me a message and i'm sure to respond um, if you want to make find out more about what we do for patients you can go through our german week speaking website monosano.de um, where you find all the content that we created for patients um, about clinical trials and you, you can sign up there and other than that just shoot me a message through our email or through linkedin happy happy to have a conversation great christian thank you so much for being with us today Yeah, thank thank you very much for inviting me. I really like the podcast and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Personalized Medicine Podcast. If you like this show and know someone who would enjoy it too, please share this podcast with them. The easiest way to do it is on LinkedIn or Twitter, where you can find us just by typing in Personalized Medicine Podcast. And don't miss the next episode yourself. For this, subscribe to the newsletter on our website, personalizedmedicinemedia.com. We also publish the show notes for each episode there that include our guests' bios, links to their most notable work, and recommendations for additional reads on the topic of the episode. And if you have any feedback or would like to suggest us a guest for the show, write us an email to team at personalizedmedicinemedia.com or reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a great day and until next time.